Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy tonight. Amen. We serve a good God. Some we can turn to in times of trouble. And the psalmist said in chapter 55 and verse 22, he said this, to cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. How many thankful to God that we serve somebody like that? Amen. That we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. As we continue to worship, hey, just engage with the Lord because he loves you tonight. Amen.
God, fall fresh on us. We need your believe God can do a miracle. You know, if you're here tonight, whatever's going on in your life, God can do a miracle. And we're praying His presence will manifest in such a way tonight that you'll feel His love because perfect love casts out fear. And I know there's some here tonight that you're just, you're worrying about some stuff. There's some anxiety and some, some concern about some things. And part of that's natural. But you know, when it moves into the realm of worry, worry's like a rocking chair. There's a lot of motion, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And worrying is not going to speed up the answer to your prayer. But there's a word for you. And I'm telling you, you can get a word, expect a word, every time you open the Bible. And the word I got out of the Bible was, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then the peace of God that surpasses our understanding is going to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So our altar team's coming up right now. And if you got anything in your life, you're just some anxiety, some worry, we want to pray for you. But if you need healing in your body, you just want to agree with somebody else, a prayer of agreement, whatever it is, 
These people have been praying and just waiting to agree and to see heaven come down and touch you tonight in Jesus' name.
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock.
Amen. Well, welcome to Church on the Rock. Are you doing good tonight? Amen. We are glad that you are here. Pastor John and Miss Linnell, they are out of town this week. They're on a family vacation, and we're just praying that they're going to have a, just a great time. Amen. Don't you love your pastors? Amen. He's going to come back. He's starting a new series all about the end of time, so it's going to be really good. Also, if you're looking for an opportunity to serve in the next few weeks, um, the Repeal 130 vote is coming up really quick. And if you'd like to volunteer, there's a sign-up booth right there in the foyer. Uh, I'm telling you, they could really use some help. So if you want to do that, you can sign up right after service. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, Wednesday nights uh, during the month of June are really special nights. We just come in, just worship without a big agenda, and the presence of God shows up. People start sharing what they feel like God's hearing. I heard one of the most powerful testimonies uh, I've ever heard on that night, and there were just some great words of encouragement at just a really special time. So uh, be sure to try to come out on Wednesday night, and there's always some treats after that. Last week we had watermelon. I don't know what they got in store for us, maybe ice cream or something, so a good chance to fellowship too. We continue worship with our tithes and offerings. You know, one of the greatest challenges of our spiritual formation is what we do with our money and possessions. Jesus warned us in Luke 12, 15. He said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Yet, I think all of us feel the lure to get all we can, can all we get, and sit on the can. You know, that's kind of the, the thing. It's called the spirit of the more monster. And it kind of gets a hold of us, and we just got to have more and want better. But God will hold us accountable for that area and every area of stewardship in our lives. And what we do with what we have, that's what stewardship is. And stewardship reflects the simple truth that God is the owner of everything I have, and I'm just a manager of what he's given me. And so... When we realize we're simply managers, then every expenditure becomes a spiritual decision. Now, if you're running a business and you've allocated some money to one area, you don't change it and put it to another area. You manage it well. And when God says the tithe, the first 10%, is holy unto the Lord, it goes to the storehouse, the place where you worship, the place where you're fed. So the question for each one of us, does my stewardship of God's resources reflect God's priority or my own priorities? And the one quick way to check is look at your checkbook or look at your little debits, uh, you know, on your checking account. And that pretty much kind of reflects. And that's the evidence if you're in touch with God's kingdom uh, priorities or not. You know, someone said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And so one of the greatest signs that, that God's heart is really control of our life is evidenced by our giving. Amen. God bless you as you give this week. Do 
praise tonight. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you're good. God, we thank you that we can trust you. And Lord, today we just bless you with our life. God, thank you for everything that you've done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking good. Looking good. Hey, one time, can we give it up for our band, Pastor Nick, Pastor Zach, the whole team, every week leading us into the presence of God. Well, I'm excited to be here tonight. Are you excited to be here? Hopefully. I mean, we're here at church. We need to have a good time. Amen? Well, we are glad that you're here. My name is Travis. I am the Next Generation Pastor here at Church on the Rock. I just got back from a month-off sabbatical. Hello. That was awesome. And uh, just blessed by the church to give us some time off. We had a wonderful time and uh, so blessed to be sharing uh, the weekend word. We do want to remember, like I said earlier, to keep Pastor John in our prayers. Him and Miss Linnell, they're on vacation. And I'm telling you, Pastor John and Miss Linnell do so much that you don't see, not just here on the weekends, but they really care for us. And so we want to lift them up over the next few weeks that they would have a great time off. They'd come back refreshed and just ready to pour in and uh, bless the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Well, today I'm super excited again about opening God's word. How many people would agree that God's word is for us today? I mean, it really is. God's Word is not just a storybook. It's not just your grandma's book. It's not just a book of rules. But God's Word is its life. And every single time we open it, God wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to our hearts. So my prayer is that tonight we would hear from God. God would speak to us, and He would show us something through His Word. Uh, today we're going to look at a very familiar character in the Bible, one of our favorite characters that we all like and we're familiar with, and it's David. And we're going to look at a time in his life where he lived in a place called Ziklag. Look at your neighbor and say, Ziklag. And I really believe that through this story again and through God's Word, he's going to show us something. Listen, the reason we come here every single weekend, weekend after weekend, number one is to worship God, is to lift up the name of Jesus corporately with one voice. Amen. The second reason that we're here is to allow the Word of God to be preached so that we can know what it says and we can walk out the doors and live a life transformed by the power of Christ. And so that's our prayer, again, that we would leave this place with a better understanding of what God wants for our life. And so I think we're going to have fun. Church is fun. We're going to have fun tonight, all right? So uh, if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's in the Old Testament. It's before 2 Samuel. So hopefully that helps you out a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 30, reading from the ESV. If you don't have your Bibles, there'll be a big one on the screen. But let's read together. It says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against uh, Negev and against Ziklag, and they overcame Ziklag, and they burned it with fire, and taking captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off, and they went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him, they raised their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, uh, some girl I can't pronounce, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of, of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because of all the people that they were bitter in soul, each for his son's 
and his daughters. Let's pray for a second. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you today. You're going to show us uh, by David's life how we can live an overcoming life, a victorious life. God, would you help us be more like you? God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so we could have a bridge to you. Lord, help us today. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Um, how many people in here have ever, have ever done something that they've regretted? Anybody in here? Okay, let me rephrase this. How many people in here have ever done something dumb? A few of y'all. Some of y'all probably did it today. Some of y'all didn't raise your hands. You'll probably do it later, right? We, we've all done uh, silly things in our life that we've regretted. I've done a, a lot of uh, dumb things in my life. And uh, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing for this message. Probably four or five months ago, Whitney and I, we were here at Church on the Rock. It was a Saturday night service, and Whitney left early because she had a shower to go to, which meant I was in charge of both kids. We have two kids. We have uh, a boy, Gabriel, who just left. He'll be three in a couple months. We have a little girl, Aslan, who'll be one next week. And Whitney went to the shower. So my duty was to pick up the kids from uh, child care and take them home, okay? That's all I had to do. And, and so uh, I, I was driving my, my dad's truck. I was hauling off some stuff with it. So I'd been driving. I park it there uh, behind Powerhouse. And I can remember Whitney left and she put the car seat in the back of my dad's truck. So because you know, you got to have a car seat when you got little kids. So she put it in the back of the truck. And so I'm walking with, with Aslan in her car, her little car seat, and I put her by Powerhouse, and, and Gabe's right there. He's talking to her. And this is an older truck, and I take the key out of my pocket. I open the door, and I turn it on. And I'm like, you know, i got to get the air circulating in here. And so I look at the kids. They're there. They're having a good time. I go get the car seat out of the back of the truck. I'm walking around to put it on the other side. Guess what happens? My truck takes off. I wish the door was locked. The truck takes off. It takes off not because it's a truck that can drive without someone in it. It takes off because my two-year-old son decided to jump in the truck, and he had seen me and his grandpa pull down, you know, the stick, and so he takes off. Um, <laughs> and, and it was scary, okay? And he ends up hitting the little dumpster down there, and he only goes about 15 feet. But as a parent, you know, things like that really, like, freak you out. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. And so he, he kind of messed up the truck a little bit, scraped it up, and, and knocked out a headlight. And, and, and so I get him out. He's okay. My daughter's okay. But I have a couple phone calls to make, first to my dad, to tell my dad that um, I wrecked his truck again. <laughs> this, but it wasn't me, Dad. It was my two-year-old son. So <laughs> the next call was to my wife to say, babe, everything's okay, but Gabe wrecked the truck, you know? And so she was, she was pretty upset with me. So lesson learned, you know, you don't leave the keys going in your car when you have little kids, right? It was, it was dumb. I should have never done it. And that's kind of what I want to look at for a few minutes in the story that we just read. Here we have David, and we have a few hundred of his men. They come back to this place called Ziklag, and they realize that all their stuff has been stolen. David's wives are stolen, the men's wives are stolen, their kids are stolen, the city has been burnt to the ground, all their possessions are gone. Can you imagine the horror to come back to your house and everything is destroyed and you don't know where anybody is? I can remember being seven or eight years old and staying with my grandparents and waking up one morning and I couldn't find them in the house and I was like, oh my gosh, the rapture took place. Have you ever been scared like that? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hear Pastor Pastor John's message on Revelation, because it gets me excited. But when I was a little kid, I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't make it, you know? 
So can you imagine, though, he comes back, everything is gone, not to mention everything is gone, but the men want to kill you now. Can you say bad day? This is a bad situation that David is in. It's in a situ- he's in a situation that none of us want to be. He's in a situation, however, that I believe all of us in this room tonight can relate to. Every single person that's in here has had something bad happen to them in their life. Every person in here has had something bad happen. We've been hurt before. We've done some things before that have had consequences that we did wrong, and so we had to pay for the consequences. Today, for a few minutes, I want to focus this whole message around the idea of, David, why did you get your stuff stolen? How many people know there's a cause and effect to everything? Uh, there's a familiar verse that we're very, uh, we've heard it so many times. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he also reaps. And I think this has a direct correlation to David. I think some of these bad things that happened in this story that we just read in David's life is in part because of David's own actions. And that's what I want to look at for a few minutes tonight. And the purpose of us looking at David's life and this story is to help us. Look, I find that a lot of times in our life, we're in a place that we don't want to be. Maybe we're in a place we never thought we would be. Maybe it's because of just circumstance happened in our life. Or maybe it's because choices we made, but we find ourselves hurt. We find ourselves in a bad situation. Maybe because of a past hurt, a past wound. And here's the deal. I don't want anybody in this room uh, to be in a place like David. And I don't mean to the fact of you're going to get your stuff stolen from the Amalekites but I don't want people in this room to get stuff stolen by the enemy. I don't want people in here to lose their family or to lose loved ones or to lose peace or to lose joy or to do something in their life that causes them pain. Amen? So we're going to open God's Word even more. We're going to see how we can live a life and learn from from David. Look, if you look at the American culture, it's easy to see. Pastor John talks about it all the time, but it's fractured. People are confused, and the enemy is doing a great job of distracting and tricking Christians, and we need to be aware of it. The Bible talks about the enemy comes to do three things, kill, steal, and destroy, and that ultimately is what he wants to do for our life. God wants to give us abundant life. The enemy wants to destroy life. That's it. And so we need to be aware as followers how we can live a life that overcomes those things, and we can allow Jesus to win victories for us. In our own city, there's so many hurting and broken people, and what they need is Jesus. But what they also need is some Christians who have Jesus inside of them. What they need is some Christians that have had some obstacles in their own life, but they've allowed God to heal those things, and now they're living a victorious life so they can help other people, right? We're supposed to be close to God, number one, so we can be close to God, but number two, so we can help a dying world. So today... Looking at this story, we're going to look at three reasons why David gets his stuff stolen in Ziklag and how his error can help us from falling into the same pit. Sound good? You know what I love about the Bible is the Bible shows people not just on their best day, but also on their worst day. You know, we don't just see the triumphs of David. We don't just see David kill Goliath. We also see David sin with Bathsheba. The Bible is real, and I feel like a lot of times we can learn more from people's mistakes than we can from people's triumphs. You know, we live in a culture today, it's it's a selfie culture, where we want everybody to see the best image of ourselves. But how many people know real life really isn't like that? In real life, you know, there's no, you can't adjust the filter. In real life, I mean, this is how it is. You know, I heard an interesting statistic the other day. The average person that takes a selfie, they take it like 10 times before they post it on Instagram or whatever. You know, 
Isn't that crazy? Maybe you're in here and you're like, 10? I do it 20 times. What? Right? She said, that's not crazy. But here's the deal. I want us to be vulnerable today. Let's let God speak to our hearts, and let's see what he has for us. Sound good? Let's jump in. I'm going to need some help preaching tonight, all right? I didn't get my coffee in as much as I would like, so I'm going to need some help. So here we go. The first reason why David gets his stuff stolen, his family stolen, his possessions stolen, is because I believe that for a season of his life, David is fighting for the wrong team. Look at your neighbor and say, what team are you on? We have to understand a few things about the background of David and also this place called Ziklag that he's living. We're familiar with the character David in the Bible. At a young age, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. We know at a young age, he killed Goliath. He wasn't even old enough to fight in the army, but he kills this giant. We know that he marries Saul's daughter. We know that David uh, actually leads some battles for Saul. He's a victorious warrior. We know that David becomes best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. We know that David is such a popular character that people in Israel begin to sing songs about him. Saul kills his thousands, but what does David do? He kills 10,000, you know? So that's pretty awesome if you're maybe a young teenager, except the fact that Saul is a very jealous king. And if you've read the Old Testament, you realize you see this saga play out of Saul wanting to kill David over and over and over again. In fact, David, for chapters in the Bible, he is running for his life. For years of his life, he's hiding in caves. He's running from Saul. The same guy that he killed Goliath for, the same guy that he married his daughter, the same guy who's best friends with his son, Saul has become so jealous and so angry He's allowed some bitterness to come inside him that he's trying to kill David. So he wants to kill David. He, one time he, he throws a spear at David. Do you remember that story? There's another time where he basically sends him into an ambush. David and a hundred Philistines are basically surrounding him. And during this whole time, it's important to note that David never tries to hurt Saul. He's doing everything honorably. And here's just a quick caveat. Are we jealous of other people in our own life? I think it's good to look at Saul's problem. He had a lot of them. One was jealousy. Are we jealous of other people around us? Are we jealous that someone has more money than us or more education than us? Are we jealous that someone's family seems to be more put together than us? I found out so many times in our life we can be so aware and want things that other people have that it can cause us not to be thankful and grateful for what God has done in our own life, you know? We need to be people that are thankful. So moving on, here's where our story takes a dive. David has been hiding out in caves for years, running from his father-in-law. And one day David gets tired of it. I'm tired of running from Saul. I'm tired of doing this. I've been doing the right thing. I've been hurt. I'm going to do something different. If you have your Bibles, flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 27. Look what he does. It says, And David said in his heart, I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Say Philistines. Verse 2 says this. So David arose and he went over him and 600 men who were with him uh, to Ashes and to the son of Maok, the king of Gath, who was a ruler of one of the Philistine cities. Verse 3. And David lived at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, uh, some girl and then Abigail, uh, Nabal's widow. Verse 5. Then David called to Ashes, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Ashes gave him Ziklag. Let's stop here. So David is an Israelite. 
He has been anointed to be the next king of where? Israel. But where is David living? David is living in the Philistine city, okay? If you've read your Old Testament any, you realize that all the Old Testament is about, it's like Israel fighting the Philistines. They're arch rivals. It's Cowboys, Redskins. It's Yankees, Red Sox. They hate one another, okay? So David, the, the, the chosen one, is now living in the opponent's territory. It's like he switched teams. The Philistines were people that hated God. They were people that had multiple religions and multiple gods. Throughout the Old Testament, again, they fought Israelites. David has been anointed to be the king of Israel, yet he's made a deal with the Philistines. Let's keep going. Not only is he living amongst the Philistines, but if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 1, it says this. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Asher said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to him, very well, you should know what your servant can do. And Asher said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. We got to get this. Not only is David living in Philistine territory as a refuge, he is signed up to fight against Israel. This is David, King David, the greatest king Israel has ever had. But before he's king, he's in a season of his life where he's living in Philistine territory and he's signed up to fight for the Philistines against the Israelites. And I'm reading this and I'm like, what are you doing, David? Have you ever done something and later you're like, what was I doing? I was, what was I doing? I mean, when I let Gabriel drive my truck, you know, what was I doing? I believe that for a season of his life, he forgot what team he was on. David, why did you get all your stuff stolen? Well, in part, him and his 600 men, the reason he's not in Ziklag is because he went to fight against Israel. He gets back, all of his stuff is gone. Listen to me today, friends. We need to evaluate really what team that we are really on. I guarantee you that David still considered himself an Israelite. But the dude is fighting against Israel, you know? And I find out so many times in our life, it's easy for me to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of God, but am I fighting against the things that God is for? Sometimes we can consider things with our mind, but our actions sometimes can be completely different. Think about your own life. Um, Do we have a relationship with God? Are we fighting temptation? Are we pursuing peace and love? Are we showing people Jesus? Are we extending grace to people? Are we forgiving people? Because if we're not, we are fighting against the very one that we say that we're for. If God tells us to do stuff and we don't do that stuff, we are against the one that we say that we're for, right? When we're not fighting that temptation, we're fighting for the wrong team. When God asks us to serve or to give and we won't do it, we are fighting for the wrong team. If we don't see God about our future, we are fighting for the wrong team, right? If God tells you to do X, Y, or Z and we won't, again, we're fighting for the wrong team. Look, David has his stuff stolen, again, in part because I believe for a season of his life that he lived in Ziklag, it's for a year and a half, I believe that he had the wrong jersey on. Listen, what Satan's plan has been since the beginning is to make the other team and the other jersey look more appealing than God's team. That's what he does. He wants to deceive us. You know, we live in a culture today, and it's like it's a throwaway culture. We trade God things for temporary things. 
The enemy wants us to trade love for lust. He wants us to trade generosity for uh, greed. He wants us to trade the easy way for something that would be more worthwhile. He wants us to go the, the wide road that leads to destruction and not the narrow road that leads to life because it's easier. The enemy always wants us to do easier. God always wants us to do what's more fruitful. Always. So many times in our life, it's like we see the temporary and we see the shiny things and it looks alluring. But a lot of times God is saying it's not that direction, it's this direction. And I can guarantee all of us in here, we've fallen into sin because it looked good for a moment. Look, even though Satan wants us to choose the easy thing and the opposite things of God, we have to remember that God's ways are the only ways that leads to victory. That's it. Even if you are anointed to be the king of Israel and you don't do things God's way, you're going to get your stuff stolen. You're not going to live the life that you want to live, okay? And just so you know, if you read a few verses later, you realize David actually shows up to fight against the Israelites for the Philistines. The Philistine generals, they kind of get nervous because they think David's going to change sides on the middle. And so they say, actually, you can't fight. Go back home. Kind of a side note here. The world will always reject you. The world will always reject us. Temporary things that promise fulfillment will never, they'll never be able to pay out what they promise. Never. God's word will always pay out. Amen? So moving along. So the first point is one of the reasons I believe that David gets his stuff stolen is because for a season of his life, he's on the wrong team. Ask yourself tonight, what team am I really on? I know I love God, but am I playing for his team right now? Amen? I believe there's people in this room, God's called you to do this or to do that. We need to be faithful. I need to be faithful. I need to trust God, right? So moving along, here's the second reason. The second reason that David gets his stuff stolen is because I believe that he allowed past hurts and past wounds to push him away from God. Let's think about it for a second. Think about David and his relationship with his father. If you remember, Saul was the king. He wasn't a good king. God wanted to bring in a new king. He goes to the prophet Samuel, and he says, I want you to go to Jesse's house. One of his sons is going to be anointed to be the next king of Israel. Remember, Samuel, he goes to Jesse and says, hey, God says one of your sons is going to be uh, the next king of Israel. Can you go get your sons? What does Jesse do? He goes and gets all his sons except one. He forgets one. So Samuel goes down the line, it's not Eliab, it's not this one, it's not this one. Finally, the prophet says, do you have have any more sons? Because none of these sons are supposed to be the king. What does Jesse say? I got one more. He's a shepherd boy, he's the youngest, he's off in the field. Think about that. His dad didn't even think enough of him to think that he even had a shot at being the next king of Israel. Not only that, but he didn't even think enough of his son at this time to think it was important for his son to show up to see one of his brothers be carnated to be the next king of Israel. I can guarantee you that there were some hurts in this young man's life that had to go back to his father. Let's think about his relationship with King Saul. King Saul, the Bible says, was head and shoulders taller than all the Israelites. He was the king when David was a young boy. People talked about Saul. I guarantee you that David looked up to Saul. David killed a giant for Saul. David married Saul's daughter. He was best friends with his son. Yet what does Saul want to do with him? He wants to kill him. This was a mentor, a father figure in his life, and all he gets from Saul is rejection. Listen, that affects you. I think David allowed rejection in his life to push him to the point where he signed up for the wrong team, and ultimately he got his stuff stolen. Doesn't the enemy do the same thing to us today? 
Think about it. How many times in your life have you been hurt by somebody? Somebody you cared about, a loved one, a father, a mother, a a spouse, a teacher, a coach, a boss. And sometimes that hurt and sometimes that pain can cause us to be so upset that we run away from God. It happens all the time. Look, when people get hurt or people get rejected, when there's pain in our lives, especially when someone we care about gives us that pain, there's three things that can happen. Number one, when we are hurt, the first thing that can happen is we can run to God. God is the one that will always be there. He is the constant. He will love us. He'll take care of us. That's the best thing to do. The second thing that people do when they're hurt a lot of times is they just check out. They kind of just put a wall around their self. They don't want anybody to get too close. And a lot of times that even happens with God. God, I don't want you to get too close. I've been let down. I've been hurt. I don't want you, friend or family member, to get too close because I've been hurt. We see this all the time. Other times when people are hurt, they have pain in their life, sometimes it causes them to run into sin. I've been hurt. Forget it. I'm going to do my own thing. Listen, when we get hurt, when someone hurts us, when we have uh, this deep pain, whatever, there's three things that we can do. We can run to him, we can run away from him, we can run into sin, or we can check out. I want you to think about your life for a second. Has someone rejected you and it's caused you some wounds and it's caused you to maybe do some things that you wouldn't normally do? Has someone hurt you and it's caused you to rebel against God? Has it caused you to fall into depression? Has it caused you to fall into sin? Has it caused you to to feel hurt and to feel this pain? Um, Has it caused you to throw up a wall with God? Has it caused you to run away from God? Listen, we can fool people in church sometimes, but we know how our relationship with God is. Has something hurt us, a death of a loved one, a breakup of a loved one, and it's caused us just to turn away from God? Look, what we need to understand is when pain comes, and, and hear me today, everybody experiences pain in their life and hurt. It doesn't mean God is bad. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. It means that, you know what, we live in a fallen world. But God said things wouldn't be perfect. He said he'd walk with us. He said we can trust in him. Amen. Look what Psalms 103.6 says. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. And then Jeremiah 30.17 says this. I will restore health to you. To your wounds, I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. Did you know that one of God's literal names means restore? One of his literal names means restore. Jehovah El Ashib, the Lord is my restore. Look, I know it has happened in everyone's life. We've been hurt, we've been let down, but we have to let the restore fix us. And a lot of times we can act like it's not a big deal, but we know it is. We know it hurts. And we know if we don't give that pain to somebody, it's going to continue to be there and we need to give it to Jesus because he's the only one that's got shoulders wide enough to carry it. He's the only one that can help us. And I firmly believe that there's people sitting in here tonight that over the years you've been hurt and God wants to heal you. God wants to restore your heart. God wants to bring you back to him. He wants you to know that you're loved. See, I believe David has been so hurt, he's been let down. So what does he do? He runs away from God. He ran to the Philistines, and ultimately he gets his stuff stolen. And it's the same plan that the enemy has for us today. To get you hurt, to get you confused, to get you to run away from God, to get you to get your stuff stolen, and then he wants you destroyed. That is his plan for our life. God's plan is life. Jesus came and died on the cross to bring us life, to bring us freedom. Amen? 
Listen, don't let the enemy have his way when we get hurt. Let's run to God. He can fix us. Not a new relationship, not putting you know, money on a credit card, not a new spouse. Only Jesus can help us. Amen? Here's the second thing. Just to recap, I believe that David gets his stuff stolen in part because he has some wounds that he doesn't know how to deal with. Do you have some wounds right now that you know you need to deal with? You know you need to give it to God. I'm telling you, tonight you can do that. Tonight God can bring healing. Amen? Here's our final reason. The Bible's good. Amen? Here's our final reason David gets his stuff stolen. There is no watchman on the wall in Ziklag. There's no watchman. David, out of frustration, out of hurt, out of confusion, he runs away to Ziklag and he brings a few thousand people with him. Side note, you're, you're, the things that you do cause other people harm sometimes, right? Our actions have deeper ripples sometimes than we think. So he's living in Ziklag. He takes his men with him to go fight against Israel. He leaves Ziklag. He leaves his family. He leaves the women and children there unattended. And these guys come in and they raid the place. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, David, what are you thinking? David is a warrior. He knows what's going on. He's fought many battles. He has people that hate him, yet he leaves his place unattended. I think he does this because he's not thinking clearly, right? Listen, when we're hurt, we don't think clearly. When we're hurt, we don't make good decisions. Like I said, I think the third reason David got his stuff stolen is there's no watchman on the wall. In the physical, he left no soldiers to protect Ziklag, Ziklag, but in the spiritual, there's no one praying. Every time in the, in, in the Bible you start seeing watchmen on the wall, it's referring to prayer. Look, when we quit praying, when we quit having a relationship with God, the enemy comes in and he steals our stuff. Not just our stuff. When we quit praying for our friends and our family, the enemy comes in and he steals their stuff too. Isaiah 62, 5 says this, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night that they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he has established Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Look, I believe that God is still looking for people that will pray. God is still looking for people that will pray, that will have a relationship with him, that will intercede, that will pray for their friends and their family members, that will pray for their city. Let me tell you what Texarkana needs is some prayer. What your family needs is some prayer. What my family needs is some prayer. We need to be people of prayer. And sometimes you can look at your life and realize that I've had this stolen and some peace stolen. I need to start praying. Have you had some stuff stolen? Man, maybe it's time we really start to pray, amen? That's the third reason he gets his stuff stolen is because he leaves no watchman on the wall. As we get ready to close and Nick and the band can come up, maybe you're in here and you've been hurt just like David. Maybe you've lost something. Maybe you feel depressed about things. You feel angry. Maybe you feel like you've lost some peace or joy. Maybe you feel like your relationship with God is not where you want it to be. I want you to know today that maybe because of no fault of your own, you've gotten some stuff stolen. Listen, God wants to restore it. Maybe you're in here and because it is of a fault of your own that some stuff's got stolen. God wants to restore it. We serve a redeeming God and a God that will take care of us. Listen, I want us to look how this story ends. Because this story is sad as it is in the beginning. It's not how the story ends. And listen, some of you in here right now, your story is not a great story. But let me tell you, if you'll put it in Jesus' hands, he'll turn it around. 
Some of you in here, you think your story is over because this happened, because this happened. But listen, the story is not over. The book is not closed. If we were to end this right now, it would be, it would be I wouldn't have preached it, okay? Let's see how this ends. 1 Samuel chapter 30, look at verse 6. This is right after his stuff gets stolen. It says this, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of uh, Amalek, bring me the ephod. So uh, he brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after the band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue. You shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. Verse 9, so David set out with 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook. Verse 17, And David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. Look at this. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small nor great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought it all back. Listen, even though David got his stuff stolen, even though it was in a large part his own fault, we serve a God that will bring stolen stuff back. And as I get ready to pray for us, there's three things that David did in those short verses that I just read to get his stuff back. Number one, he strengthened himself in the Lord. Some of you in here, if you've had something stolen, the first thing you need to do is strengthen yourself in God. Strengthen yourself in God. Pray. The second thing that he did, the Bible says, is he inquired of the Lord. He spent some time with the Lord. He listened to the Lord. I find out a lot of times in my life, the mistakes I make is because I don't inquire of the Lord. I just do my own thing, and then I want God to bless it. That's not how Christianity works. He'll tell us what to do. He'll bless what he does. We need to align with him. Here's the third thing that David did. David had to leave some people behind. He had to go get his stuff back. 200 people couldn't do it. So you know what he did? He had to leave them. Maybe you're in here tonight and you need to leave some people behind. You need to leave some mindsets behind that are destructive to you living a victorious life for Christ. Is there something you need to leave behind? Here's what I want to do now. Just for a second, I want to, I want to pray for us, but I have a couple questions. Number one, have you lost something? Have you gotten some stuff stolen? Have, have you lost some peace? Have you lost some joy? Have you lost your relationship with God? You remember when it used to be vibrant and passionate? You used to witness, you used to serve, you used to have family Bible reading times, but now just a few things have happened and, and you're in a different place in life. And here's the second question. Do you want that stuff back? Do you want to get close to God again? Do you want freedom? Do you want that pain to go away? I'm telling you, God can do it. Amen? Stay on your feet real fast. I want to pray for you. Let's just raise our hands to God. God, we love you. God, I thank you that your word is truth. Lord, I thank you that even though maybe a lot of us in here, we've had stuff stolen in our lives, joy, we've had relationships stolen. God, we thank you that you are faithful and you're a redeemer and you're a restorer and you can heal our hearts. God, people right now that have broken hearts over different issues, God, you see them. You love them. And God, I pray today, God, the only way we know how, the best way we know how, God, we just give those things to you. Holy Spirit, we say come. Heal us. Free our minds. Restore us. Some of us in here, God, we've had 
broken families, God, would you restore those relationships? God, some of us in here, we have so much fear and so much anxiety. God, would you be the Prince of Peace over our life? God, we need you tonight. We need you to move. God, we've been hurt by the world. We've been hurt by people that we care about. God, we need you to come in and mend our heart. You're the only one that can do it. God, if there's things that we've done that's been against you, Lord, right now, we just repent. God, we say we are sorry for going against your word. God, we turn away from that and we are going towards you right now. God, I pray even right now that we would return to first love. God, if we've gotten away from you, we've let the hustle and bustle of life get more important than you, God, we repent of that and we turn back to you. God, help us today. Lord, we thank you that through you, we can have victory. Through you, we can be overcomers. And through you, we can live a blessed life. Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Here's what I want to do. I want my prayer team to go ahead and come up. We're going to go into just a a chorus of our worship song. And if you're in here tonight and maybe you've been heard and, and what we've been talking about resonates in you and you want someone to pray for you, that God would touch you, God would restore this or that, we want to do that tonight. We'll pray for anything that you have, any need that you have. Maybe you're in here and you've never put your total faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, He is the answer. He is the truth. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. You can come up here and do that in just a moment. Look, we love you. But let's worship God for a moment, amen? Lord, we bless you. We love you. The prayer team is up here if you need prayer.